Hi, I'm Joshua Henry Jenkins, and you're watching Hashtag Verse TV. Comment, thumbs up, share, and subscribe. Week 113. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? If you hear my voice, you know what that means. It's time for uh, all the tea right here on Verse TV with your boy, Troy Weeks music our one-on-one special 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 you know how we do um we get into the business of some into somebody's business but today <laughs> we got somebody very special in addition to co-creating bgsah which stands for black gays stuck at home you are also a fellow creative who provides consultation work to people in our communities and intersections bringing ideas from um ideas to execution we will get to know Right now on all the teeth, Sir Joshua Henry Jenkins. What's up? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, in the building, all the teeth. We're super excited to have you. So, thank you again for being here. Um, and, you know, for doing your thing today on the show and being a part of it. And, you know, and, and this part of it, we appreciate you. So, let's get into it. So, for our audience out there who may not yet know where you're from, let them know where you're from. And also, on top of where you're from, tell us what you love most about your origin story of being where you're from. Um, so I am from, I, I currently am, well, I'm from North Carolina. I'm from a small town called Norlina, North Carolina. I swear it exists. Norlina, y'all. It does. It's, it's literally, if you're driving down 85 going south, uh, it's like the first exit into the state of North Carolina. Blink and you miss it. Um, but ironically enough, that's like kind of the thing I love most about my origin story is like being from a rural small town. Um, I, I know so many people that got the benefit of a, of a upbringing in the city and the benefits of having access to things and culture and that kind of stuff. I was really like sort of like secluded in the middle of the country growing up but I think that that made me really super humble and has really created a like a, a lot of uh, passion for things later in my life that I didn't get access to early on. So um, I kind of love, I, I now I can own and love the fact that I'm from the middle of nowhere, um, which is kind of a shady kind of way of saying, like, you know, small town, but because there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in the middle of nowhere too, which is something I had to, I had to learn and, uh, and embrace. There are. There's a lot of amazing people out in those small towns. People like yourself. So, if you didn't come from a small town, we wouldn't even know you. Um, <laughs> so, sure. shout out to your small town. Um, and being that we're talking about small town and, and, and we some previous generations, um, where are your family roots? Since so, you come from a small town. Um, so, I'm biracial. My father is uh, super white from West Virginia, like deep in the sticks of West Virginia. <laughs> conversely my mother is from New Orleans um and so they had two very different experiences and somehow came together to have me um neither one of them being from North Carolina so it was kind of interesting growing up going back and forth between uh my mother and her side of the family you know deep in the south and my father having a very different kind of upbringing I also like grew up with parents who were significantly older. So my father was 55 when he had me. My mother was 40 when she had me. So I grew up mm. with older parents. And so I never knew my grandparents. I never knew any of those kinds of things. So um, so I learned everything from my parents. Um, and they had such vastly different backgrounds that um, 
was kind of was kind of weird when you're young and your father shows up and everybody thinks it's your grandfather and or maybe not even your grandfather who's this white man but um it's also <laughs> it's really kind of uh i think now i can sort of uh, learn to appreciate all of that more wow i'm just sitting here in awe like wow like you really never know people right all you see is what you see and what you perceive mm. or whatever the case may be but listening to your whole like like in the fact of i don't know my grandparents like mm. somebody like me like my grandparents were my rock like i wouldn't have life without them so i'm like always so jealous when people would talk about that yeah so i'm like wow like hearing you say that like it, oh, it makes me understand like you know not to oh sorry my phone's dying it takes me it makes me understand not to take things for granted even though they're not here anymore i did not take them for granted and that was why because there's some people out there who didn't get to experience that so um yeah. Thank you for that, for being open and honest, because sometimes we don't know those things, you know? Yeah. Um, and we don't get a, we don't even get a chance to appreciate the fact that some people, somebody listening right now who has grandparents who don't fuck with their grandparents. So hopefully you being able to say what you said can help them understand like life was too short. Like I never even knew my grandparents, like enjoy them, you know? So yeah, I had to take that moment. Um, back to the interview. Um, <laughs> you are someone who effect, uh, effectively wears many hats. Please give us a Verse TV family sip of all the tea on how you connected with Michael Ward to um, mutually create and develop BGSAH. Um, so people don't know this, most people don't know this, but Michael and I have never actually met in person. Um, we've been social media. Well, I knew this. Oh, you, uh, y'all probably knew because y'all talked about yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, I don't even think the people that come to uh, our screenings really even re remember this often. But yeah, he and I've never met, but like we have been, you know, you get friends on Twitter, you get friends on Facebook or whatever, and you always are sort of like talking to them or whatever. And you think maybe one day you'll cross paths or whatever. But at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, he had an idea of wanting to show a, a film with a couple of his friends and I wanted to see that movie too and I was like we should make this a thing everybody's stuck in the house and so uh, we just said let's get people together on a zoom and then we put it on Eventbrite and next thing you know um, the film being punks by Patrick Ian Polk and um, the creator of Noah's Ark and uh yeah 500 people decided they wanted to come and then this thing we were like oh shit we should probably do it again because we're still stuck in the house um and so a year later we're still doing it because people are still um some people were in the house to begin with or you know mm -hmm. some people you know need outlets uh that allow them to be able to connect connect with people meaningfully and so we're still here doing the thing uh a year plus later which is kind of wild Yes, that's kind of crazy because me and Aaron have never met each other either. And we've been oh, working together that. over two years. <laughs> oh, we've been working together over two years now. But we've never physically met. Um, it was even like that some of my co-hosts, I had never met them before. And I finally met them. Um, yeah. It's because it, they live in Atlanta and I was in Atlanta. So it worked out. But yeah, so just keep doing what you're doing. So would you say that that moment of when you realized that popular people came and the creators of the show uh, have reached out. Was that the moment you first realized that BGSAH was exactly the successful hit idea that the community needed, or was that another moment that was bigger than that? Um, I think that was the big moment. I think I think we we were like, oh, people want this, and oh, Patrick is coming to the screening, and oh, like it just kept getting sort of like progressively more, like we just stopped dreaming or stopping ourselves of of doing things and just started asking. I think for me, the big one was when. 
I was like, I'm going to ask Vanessa Williams if she's going to come to the screening. And then she came and I was like, oh, like that's a big deal. So people were being, when we started having like faces and celebrities decide that they wanted to come and like talk to us and to, to a bunch of like queer folks and, and gay folks and and uh, and spend their Friday night with us too. That's when I was like, oh, people really care. And like, we, this is special for our communities. And I think that that was when I was like, oh, this is, this is what I call success. Cause you know, the numbers are one thing but the impact is, is different. And so people have been right. so nice in sharing stories of like, you know, I came to BGSAH when my, you know to, to commemorate the anniversary of my loved ones passing or, uh, you know, I came because um, I was having a really tough week. People are sharing sort of these deeply personal stories. And that's what mm -hmm. I sort of think of when I think of success. Um, because people didn't have to come and hang out with us, but they did. Well, all right. All right now. So y'all doing amazing things. Just keep it up. That's all. <laughs> Thanks. Just keep it up. Uh, I heard about the Vanessa Williams. I heard about all that. So I just, it's just amazing to hear that the impact that you guys are having in communities. Like, you know, if you could just dream big enough, it could be simple. And the thing, one thing before I'm um, born is you said I reached out to, to Vanessa Williams. People don't realize that it's really that simple with social media today that you can literally be in the contact with people that you want to be able to work on things. And so yeah. I, I, I do that too when I want to work certain celebrities. Like even we had an interview here a couple of weeks ago. Shout out to Imani Van Zamp. Um, she's Imani um, Van Zamp. She's one of the uh, social media's auntie, number one auntie out here in these streets. And uh, she's a commentator for Chasing Reality Brand. And I fell in love with her and I asked her, I just like, I told Aaron, I want her, I want her. And I just reached out to her and she said, yeah. And we, and she, we had her and we had an amazing time. So yeah. it's that simple. So I want people to understand that. Like, I'm not just saying that even though I said it and it happened, you're doing the same thing and it's happening. So y'all, it's happening. It's just real. What's the word people can say no? No, or don't no. answer. Right. Right. And then to me, I, I like that because if they're saying no, they don't even give me a chance to even look into who I am. Then I just said, okay, when I get to where I want to, that, might, that, note, that same person might come back around and I'm going to be able to say, well, you tell me no. Yep. So I, I think I'm good. Um, power, okay? Um, and so, and, and other many ways of your great talents, you're also, um, many hats that you wear, excuse me, but your many talents. You're a graphic designer. And you, you um, sell some wonderful personally designed items on your website, joshuahenryjenkins.com. When did you realize that this is a professional grade of skill for yourself? Um, I, you know, even, you know, sometimes we as people who have millions of side hustles don't think that our stuff's good, like, don't think our stuff is good mm -hmm. enough for, like, it's a side project or a hobby, so it's not like, you know, I couldn't make money off of this, or I couldn't do this professionally or whatever, but... I always knew that I wanted to create something that we could wear that celebrated like these kinds of either people that we couldn't get on shirts to begin with if we waited for them to be on shirts from corporations and whatever. Um, and so I was like, it started with Octavia St. Laurent who was in Paris is Burning. I just like, she's like a pivotal sort of like uh, character and uh, not character person in the community that I really sort of loved and so I was like I just want to make a couple of shirts that honor her legacy since she's no longer with us and um from there it just snowballed into well let's put like I'm gonna put Sylvester on a shirt all these sort of forefathers and foremothers of ours in the community I wanted to honor them in a way that um was uh you know kind of cool because it wasn't just going to be a picture like something interesting but also um 
was going to have some component of being able to give back. So most of the shirts do have some kind of charitable contribution tied to them so that if people buy a shirt from Octavia, it benefits the Trans Women of Color Collective, all this kind of stuff. So I just wanted to sort of create a, a loop, another loop or another channel to be able to give visibility to people um, who mm -hmm. don't get visibility um, in our from our communities and then also simultaneously be able to give back to organizations doing work to, to uh, to, to amplify the voices of those who are currently um, living our, living life. Mm. Well, all right. Well, dreams do come true, clearly. Um, all it takes is vision. Um, so yeah, thank you for just being a visionary. Look at you, like, it's amazing just to hear um, that you could do, like, you know, a lot of people on Instagram do many different things. Hashtag this, hashtag this, hashtag this, but do you really? You know, you're somebody that really, I love talking people who really because I just know that how the life is today and people have a facade of many things I'm like when you are somebody who really does the thing you say you do mad respect mad oh, respect mad respect yes out in these streets doing it so you 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 um you also provide our communities creative consulting to bring good dreams to life please give us your birth to be family please give me and the birth to be family a sip of all the tea on your creative um consulting work that you do W-E-R-K, yeah. <laughs> um, so I largely work in marketing and communication. So what I like to say is like, at this point in my life, I'm just about creating visibility and creating uh, opportunities to bring community together. And when I say mm -hmm. community, I mean, you know, queer folks, people of color, um, anybody who's living in a marginalized space, um, bringing folks together. And so what that really means is like, sometimes I'm just really into making sure that the artist who needs their work, you know, amplified has a channel that's, or a partner in that to be able to help them do that. And sometimes that goes all the way over into something like Black Ace Stuck at Home where you just need somebody to help you build the idea or we need to build the thing from the bottom forward. Um, and so that's what I sort of started to like, you know, um, put my hands into is uh, figuring out uh, who needs what assistance and making sure that, you know, we don't get a lot of platforms oftentimes. And so we have to do the work. And so sometimes you need people to help you do those things. And I've been in a really sort of great space to be able to help people do that so far. Um, so that consultant life is a different kind of gig, but I got to keep this nine to five job because, you know, consulting gigs and entrepreneurship means that sometimes you don't get the insurance and all this other kind of stuff but um, right. <laughs> it is something I like to do on the side and fit in where I can fit in so that we can get our stories told and we can get our projects out there um in a way that uh can build into to better and bigger things for the future I mean to that actually I'm just sitting here looking and listening I'm like wow it's kind of funny how similar that we are because I, I need help with that like I'm really good at because of my life experience and all that I've done uh, in the entertainment world and uh, hosting and, you know, media, it's like, I'm good at helping people get their ideas going, like helping mm -hmm. them find what their passion is and getting their passion started with setting goals and, yep. and consulting. I never thought about, I just do it from my heart, but I'm realizing like, okay, but doing it from the heart is not, you know, going to help me when I got a four-year-old, you know what I'm saying? I okay. got things to pay for. So I'm like, now I'm talking, now that you're talking, I'm like, hmm, well, maybe you can help me put it in a sense of a way of making an income from it. And also still doing what I have in love for. Sure. So we can talk about that at some, at some point <laughs> off camera. Sure. But I, I need help with that. And I feel like maybe we're on the same track with it. And so be, maybe your experience, you're a little bit of a step ahead of the game. 
so you can help me, you know, get in the right track with that. Yeah, let's um, go. Yes, sir. We bought the W-E-A. We bought the W-E-R-K, and that's yes. when we get the next question. We're going to work together. So tell me, you spell it W-E-A-R, sorry, W-E-R-K for a beautiful and, and substantial reason. Can you share that? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so like, you know, whenever, <laughs> whenever I talk about the work and, you know, everybody always says like, I'm doing the work or whatever. Um, I just try to like leave these little breadcrumbs of like, uh, of like gay or queer sort of like, uh, like norms in the stuff I'm doing. Cause I'm oftentimes very aware that the people looking at me are cis heterosexual people. And so I want them to know that like, you can't divorce me from the work I'm doing. You can't divorce me from the queerness that I experience or that I love. And so um, I decided to stop saying work, W-O-R-K and started using W-E-R-K in tribute to a, a late friend of mine who passed a year ago um, named Marcus, Marcus White, who was a dancer, choreographer, teacher um who always used to say you know he used to like you know that was his thing was saying I'm doing the work and he always spelled it w-e-r-k um and started his company white works and all this other kind of stuff and I was like when I lost him um really unexpectedly I was like I have to like sort of find multiple ways of honoring his legacy and keeping sort of his name going both in my mind and in the minds of others and so I decided to take that on as like, a, I will now only sort of, when I say the word work, I'm gonna spell it this way. So people have to ask me the question so that I can continue to speak his name um, and wow. his legacy. So that's sort of why I do it. It's a little bit of like an inside joke sometimes, but sometimes people will ask me why I do it. And I appreciate that question a lot because it does give me the opportunity to sort of talk about him and his impact on my life. Well, the way you set that up and the way you did it, you working, okay? You better work, okay? <laughs> Man, I don't even have one. Pew. Okay, I don't even know how to work yeah. that thing. But if I had a fan, it will, I would yeah. I would I would hit it. Me too. Um, fan in here. <laughs> I would definitely hit it. So since we talk about creative hats and you have so many, what has been the hardest hat to wear, um, and why? Mm. That graph, the graphic design thing. Like this is a really silly answer, but the graphic design thing is like my least favorite of the of the things because um, not because like let me take that back. Working with clients about graphic design is really interesting um, because differences of opinion can turn into a, a long process. And so I love talking about ideas. I love like getting the groundwork built, but when it's time to like make the flyer or make the cover or make the this, it can turn into a battle sometimes of like multiple visions and it can get really nitpicky and turn into a, you know, I want to see that like two spaces over and I want to see that like six or what about this color of green or what about this color whatever and so I think that stuff's important but right. like it's also the stuff that takes the most time and holds up the process to getting to the end um and sometimes people don't trust you to like you know really let them or really let you do your job and so right. That always gets a little tricky because you know time is money, and uh, you know you want to be helpful. Hello, but you also Hello. Want to make sure that you get your check at the end of the day. <laughs> Absolutely, this see exactly my point. Um, and, and so, since so we talked about what's been the hardest, what's been the most enjoyable one to wear? Ooh, um, definitely the stuff that I've been able to do specifically for for like black 
queer folks. So like DGSAH, there's a couple of other things I have in the works that I'm excited to eventually talk about that are directly tied to like supporting our communities. And that's the stuff that gets me going because I know how little there is in comparison to what uh, mainstream uh, sort of offerings are. And so uh, like, like Black A Stuck at Home and some of these other projects, um, I know the impact will be felt immediately. I know that the, there's a need there. And so that's what I really sort of like go to bed, like with my mind going about is how beneficial the things I can do will be for other people. And so mm -hmm. when, that, when, that, when I'm riled up because of that, that's when I know it's the good thing. That's when I know it's the thing I like to do the most. That's the thing I'm most passionate about. And so, yeah, that's the hat I like to wear is the community, bringing people together for like community's sake. Yes, and you do it very well, clearly, right? Um, <laughs> so what's the best advice that you have ever received? Never work for free. <laughs> Like sure, there, there. That's with an exception. There's a little asterisk at the end of that. Um, oh, okay. But I'll say because I do a lot of work for free, actually. But usually, I'm only doing work for free. My rule is that I'm only doing work for free for communities and people that I know need it. Um, we're in a business. We're in a world right now where, um, specifically around because it, we we live in a capitalist sort of world, we have corporations and, and we just came out of Pride Month where you know every corporation had pride flags on their doors and in their logos and whatever. July 1st came and they took them all down. So like, you know, there are people who can afford you that you don't realize can afford you who are asking you to do work. So my rule is, you know, if they can pay, they should because this is I have to sustain myself like anybody else does. Um, and it also proves that you can't just, you can't use people, you can't use marginalized folks to do your job um, without paying them properly and compensating them properly. So the best advice I ever received was you have to, you have to pay people what they're worth. And if sometimes that means bartering, that means old school, that means, you know, maybe I can't pay you, but I can offer you a service. Maybe, Hello. Like, maybe I, here's what I do. So let me do the thing for you so we can, but we've got to create a culture of like respecting each other and understanding that time is money, unfortunately, and um, and compensation is a is a is a core uh, foundation of equity when we talk about making sure that people are getting what they deserve. Well, that was very well said. I actually want to plenty to hear that. Um, I can do a lot of things. I've learned to say no to mm -hmm. things now because I I used to overwork myself and I realized like why am I doing things that benefit other people and not benefiting me? So I should only do it. If I choose to, because it's my time. Yep. And if it's going to benefit me as well, the way I want to benefit. So, um, and, and like you said, with communities or people who need it, you know what I'm saying? That's different. Mm -hmm. But if you can pay for it, pay. Like, I had to do my own work for myself. Yeah. And I had to look at it different. Yeah. This is why I do for a living. I sing in the subway. I do music. I host, like, this is my life. So if you want a bit part of my life, then pay for it. And sometimes it doesn't have to be, you know, the biggest check, but it's like a show of faith to say, here's what I know I can do, or here's what I know that I can offer. And you can say no to that, but oftentimes if you've just made the gesture, I'm gonna be like, okay, let's work it out. You know what I mean? Right, it's a thought that counts. Right. That you say, I value you enough. I might only got $25 to do this, and I might only take us two hours, but I really would love to work with you. Can you do it? It's a thought, absolutely. So as we wrap this uh, second part of the interview and get to the final part of it, 
What is the main thing that you want our verse TV audience to learn about you, Joshua Henry Jenkins, today? Ooh, um, that I am one of many, many people doing work out here. And so like, while I love getting to talk about what I do, um, I also love when we can, uh, when I can talk about the work that, that others are doing in relationship to the work I'm doing. And so um, I'm just all about like, community care and making sure that we're taking care of each other and so whatever I can do to be part of that if that's part of you know your team to support you in your project if that's because you want to come hang out with us at Black Ace Look at Home whatever that is um, I'm appreciative of it and I want to sort of make sure that I'm not the only one doing it right like I think that we should we are not we should never be in spaces where trying where we're trying to occupy too much of the space because my goal at the end of the day is to make sure that everybody's passion project, everybody's thing gets the same level of uh, attention that mine does or John Doe's does or Jane Doe's does um, because there's space for all of us. And so that's like the thing I believe at the core is that there's space for all of us. And I'm really fortunate to have some things I get to do. But at the end of the day, I'm always going to choose community over my own, uh, my, my own best interests. Makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. So What's next for you, Sir Joshua? Like, what, what do you have in mind? What's in your, under your sleeve? You know, maybe tuck in the rug. Yeah. Um, so Black Ace Stuck at Home is still going. So we'll do that until the wheels fall off. Um, and then we'll, you know, I think we're trying to figure out what to do now that the outside's opening back up again, how to like take Black Ace Stuck at Home and what do you do when you're not stuck at home anymore? Um, so that's what Michael and I are starting to figure out is like, okay, should we take this on the road? Do we like go do these things in person? Like, what is the thing? I think we've also settled that, you know, there's always going to be a component that needs to stay online because right. people That's who join us from like Idaho, who like, you know, like people who are in small, small towns like I grew up in who need the sense of community that they have that they don't have in their own spaces. So we're going to keep doing it. Whatever Black A Stuck at Home turns into, it's going to keep going. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have a couple of other sort of like individual things I'm working on. Um, I am working on a, a, an advocacy kind of scholarship thing that's um, specifically for queer folks to try and support folks who are going to any kind of educational opportunities to try to figure out how to do that um, and get money to people um, who need it. Um, and then also I'm working on a podcast thing um, with my mother of all people to start to have the intergen intergenerational kind of conversations that need to be had around um, all right now. mothers and children and, and what it's like. Because uh, I realized that <laughs> my mother had a lot of experiences I don't know about. She, I have a lot of experiences that she doesn't know about and we've been too scared to talk about them. So I'm going to create a podcast where I ask her about the first time she smoked weed. And I'm going to ask her about the first time she lost her best, uh, lost a loved one. And I'm going to ask her about the first time, you know, she probably had sex. And she's going to ask me those questions too, because I think it's important to create those kinds of spaces to have dialogues with your mothers and fathers. Amen to that. Um, so that we can have more difficult conversations around our identities um, when those times come as well. I agree. I like that. Yes, sir. All right now, okay. Y'all better, better be watching that website because it's getting together. <laughs> um, um, what are your latest mustings or your thoughts and goings on? Does that make sense mm -hmm. to you? Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I feel like that's a tough question because there's just so much going on, right? Like we're still we're still in a pandemic. So like that's a thing. Um, and we're still in the midst of massive amounts of injustice going on in the country. So like I just I'm just I'm just trying to center some joy. That's that at the end of the day, like that's what I, my message is really is mm-hmm. like we need to create more opportunities for joy and celebration and affirmation and these things that make us feel good because there's enough stuff in the world that's like fighting against that to make us feel bad. And so if you can um, offer the song to the world, if you can offer the dance to the world, if you can offer the idea that you have to the world and it creates some joy for somebody, then I feel like it's worth doing. And so that's kind of like what's on my brain constantly. And the thing I ask myself over and over and over again is like, is what you're doing and thinking about going to create joy for somebody for specifically joy for black queer folks or specifically joy for people who are living in some kind of marginalized way. And if it's not, then maybe I don't do it. Um, so the more we can do that, then I think, you know, uh, we'll have a lot more happy things. It's like, you know, we don't always want to see trauma um, on screens and in our ears when we're listening to music, right. we need the happy stuff to to make us uh, excited to keep going. So that's right. like my brain all the time. All right. Okay. Cool. Uh, last question before we move into our uh, our tea questions. Our, all the tea questions we ask all our guests is: uh, When you hear this question, what do you think? And when you hear this question, just answer it. Who do you think you are? Oh, that is interesting. Um, who do I think I am? I am, um, I am many things and all of the things. <laughs> um, I am the product of, you know, parents who reared me uh, in the right way. I am uh, someone who identifies as Black, queer, Southern, rural, um, I carry a lot of privilege that I'm aware of that I make sure I'm conscious of as I maneuver around, but I'm someone with good intentions and I'm someone who's trying to just sort of make it out here and do some good. And as much as I can continue to do that, then I think I'll be happy and pleased with my life. But at the end of the day, that's what I am. I'm just trying to do good. Oh, right now. Well, you heard it here first, y'all. Now it's time to do what we do best, and that's get into our general verse TV questions that we ask all of our guests. So without further ado, first question is this. If you had all the money, power, necessary money, ooh, sorry, phone is dying. I'm going to get through this. Here we go. Hi, right, cool. If you had all the money and power necessary, what would you do or change that you feel would be most beneficial for the LGBTQ community? Uh free health care. <laughs> I feel like that is like a thing we take for granted. I have really nice insurance through my current employer, thank God. But um, there are too many folks in 2021 um, who unfortunately, especially in our communities, don't have access to adequate health care or who have access to health care, but it's still pricey. And so when I think about things like sexual health, mental health, all these kinds of things. We need more people who are gonna, um, who need to be, uh, have direct access to those things. So if I had the money and the power, everybody would have free and universal and the best amount of health insurance that would cover any and all of the needs because that shouldn't be a problem for us. There are bigger fish to fry that we shouldn't, we shouldn't be having to worry about um, whether I can go to the doctor, whether I can go find a therapist. Absolutely, definitely. Come on now, make change in the world. Come on. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> question number two starts with a quote, and it goes from uh, and then the question. So the quote is this: "Ask me not where I live, or what I like to eat, or how I comb my hair, but ask me what am I living for." In detail, ask me what do I think is keeping me from living fully for the thing I want to live for. And that's a quote by Thomas Morton. And the actual question is this. What is your goal in life? And uh, what is stopping you or slowing you down from achieving that goal? Um, my, my goal in life is to make, make it better for the next, the folks that come after. Um, so that being said, I want to make sure that the work I'm doing makes it easier or makes it um, more, makes life more enjoyable for people who come after me. Um, I think that, you know, can be said for generations before who made it easier on our generations, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the goal is to make life better for somebody. Um, what's holding me up is the fact that I still got to work a nine to five. <laughs> like I still got to do, and I love my nine to five and it supports a lot of the work that I do elsewhere, but you know, most of us who have all this, these wonderful passion projects and ideas have to figure out how to do it while also making money that we have to do, have to use to support ourselves. And so in all transparency, I can't get the good stuff done until I can do it all the time. Um, and so, you know, shout out to all the people who are juggling because that's what we have to do. We have to figure out how to make it all happen. And hello, that's the reality. That's true. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I feel like, you know, that's how you overcome though, you know, getting to the other side and, and making those dreams come true. And then you're already doing some of the things you're already doing as you continue to grow. So, um, oh yes. Mm -hmm. um, did you already answer uh, what's slowing you down from what you, oh, you did, nine to five, got it, boom. Um, okay, and so this next question is most important because, um, you know, some people tend to run from it, um, but you can't run because um, mm -hmm. you don't know. And the question is this, <laughs> what is your deepest tea? i.e. something that you've never shared on social media before, but something that you are willing to share with us here on uh, Verse TV, of course. Um, this Okay, so this is like a hard detour because we've been having such nice, wonderful, like, you know, uh, uh -oh. like whatever, but I just want to like, I'll just say it. So I've been thinking, because I just came out of something relationship-wise, I've been thinking a lot about like open relationships and I've been thinking a lot about like what we what is technically called ENMs, which is eth ethical non-monogamy. So a long, complicated way of talking about open relationships. And I'm just sort of getting to the part where I like own that I think that that's my life. That's my like next thing. So, you know, that's a really different sort of like, that's some different tea versus what we've been talking about for the past 10 minutes around like, you know, the really touchy feely stuff. Right. But resolving that I'm pretty sure that I need to be in an ethical, in an ethical non-monogamous relationship going forward to be able to really find happiness um, with boundaries and respect and rules and expectations that have been mutually agreed upon. But um, that's something that I haven't shared with a lot of people because um, I think that there's a lot of stigma or like, um, right. you know, weirdness that people still have around that, especially when it comes to communities of color. I think you know it's maybe more acceptable in other kinds of ways for other communities, but like I want us to get used to the idea that sometimes monogamy in the way that we think about it isn't always the answer for everybody, and I'm coming to terms with that for myself. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely, awesome. Okay, and uh, question number four. Two more questions are going to be done. I'm enjoying this so interesting, um, especially when we have answers like that. 
Um, because, you know, like self-understanding is so like, aha, like having those moments, it's just great. Um, and so I didn't even know what that was until you said it just now. No clue, never heard of it. There's a great book called The Ethical Slut. I'm just going to shout it out. It's so good. It's like the manual for exploring like all the different types of relationships you can have uh, with a partner. So it's really good. Absolutely. Sorry, we got special effects in the background. It's not me. I got them too. <laughs> oh, you too? All right. You see, you tell me. What has been your biggest stumbling block that you've uh, come across in your journey up? And uh, how have you all? How did you overcome it? Um, that's super easy for me. It's imposter syndrome. I think that most of the time, sometimes we we don't believe we're worthy of things or we don't believe that we are good enough to be certain places or we don't hold our heads, heads high up enough when we walk into certain rooms. And I still, to be quite honest, battle that all the time of not feeling like I'm worthy enough to be somewhere. And so what's always held me up, even if I think about when I was a kid or even when I was in school or whatever, the thing that always held me up was me not thinking I was good enough to be there or me not thinking that I was good enough to really dive deep into it. And so um, that's something I'm constantly uh, chipping away at. Even now in my 30s, I'm trying to sort of figure out how to clock it when I know what's happening. I think RuPaul calls it your inner saboteur or something that's she says on Drag Race or whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's real because, you know, we are our sort of our own worst enemy sometimes and the, the things <laughs> that we generate are ourselves. So um, that's something that I sort of still see in myself and I just try and clock myself on it. And I got a good therapist who clocks me on it too. So get a therapist if you need one. It's really not that like, you know, it's, it's a good thing. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Thank you for saying that. People think, especially some of people of color think that it's not, but it is, you know, definitely get the help if you need it. Um, and this last question is this, what is something that you would like to be left in a legacy time capsule of your work? Ooh, um, I would, I just want, I would love for people to like, when it comes, I want people to know how I made them feel. Like, I don't really care about how many people came to something. I don't really care about how many people liked my photo. I don't really care about how many people, um, you know, saw my thing. I really wanna know the stories about how people, how it made them feel. And that's the stuff I wanna capture. That's the stuff I would want people to know is that this, my impact was felt in real qualitative, tangible ways. People, it made somebody feel good. It helped somebody do something. It helped them get through the day. It helped them, somebody told us with BGSA, that BGSH that they were at one point suicidal, but they decided that they were gonna to continue to come to our things. And that was a little bit of help for them. Those kinds of things are what I want to be left in in a time capsule when people, if they wonder about who I was, is those stories or those moments. Mm -hmm. Nice. That's what's up. Yes, sir. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was the last question of the day, night, and week. Okay. Um, so first and foremost, thank you so much for being here. Uh, uh, sir Joshua, we appreciate you. Um, and uh, let people know again where to find you um, on your social media, all that good stuff. They want to stay connected. And uh, yeah. We can get on, we can, we can wrap it up because I'll be the hands you talking a lot.
Uh, you could um, find me on the internet at joshuahenryjenkins.com. You can also find me um, on any of the social media stuff. Well, not any of them. I don't do TikTok. I'm too old at this point for TikTok, I think. But um, maybe not. I, I'm not going to cross it off the list. But Not just yet, right? Come on, you got to learn it. <laughs> it's on my phone. Um, Instagram, Twitter is where I usually hang out. And you can find me at Josh Jinx. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Joshua Henry Jenkins as well. But um, wherever you can find me, I'm down to talk. I like to talk. Booyah, just like that. And I'm, I'm your boy at, at Troy Weeks Music, W-E-E-K-E-S. Troy Weeks Music on everything. If you're not tuned into all the tea right here on Burst TV, uh, go to our Instagram, go to our Facebook, go to our YouTube, like, like comment, subscribe, be a part of the conversation. And you know, we do this each and every week, this is week 114. So thank you guys for tuning in. And we'll see you guys again next week, you know, when we have our own a panel about main topic discussions and a whole other interview going. Um, so thank you so much again, Josh. Continue to watch and support Josh and Michael as they continue to grow in their journey and doing what they're doing. Check them out. And I follow them on Instagram, all that good stuff, as we continue to watch they grow and glow up and rise. Um, and so uh, keep us doing it all, y'all. Until next week, until next time, y'all be safe out here in the streets. And don't, don't, don't go fireworks crazy. <laughs> thanks, y'all, for everything. We appreciate y'all. Yes, thank you for being here once again, NC. We outside, y'all, we got family everywhere now. So check us out.